Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate news, and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability, anything impacting today's supply chains. My name is Brielle Jekyll, the managing editor here, and today I'm talking pharma cold chain with the chief operating officer of Envirotainer, a company that specializes in creating containers specific for temperature control. The pharmaceutical industry has been a steady fixture in the mainstream media now for the last two years, but today I find out exactly where the industry is at right now. So let's link into that conversation now. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I am here with Nicholas Adamson, who is the COO of Envirotainer. Hi, Nicholas. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Brielle. It's, it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about the cold chain today, specifically the pharma cold chain. Um, it's obviously a huge deal right now. Um, well, for the last two years, you know, we've been talking so much about pharma, but it's really been an important part of the supply chain for forever, you know, so I, I want to hear your perspective. Um, so first, I, I, let's start with, can you, can you tell me some of the current trends in the pharma cold chain today? Sure. And I think, I think to your point here, Braille, is that I think the, the, the general public, uh, really started to understand the, the pharma cold chain last year due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and, and many people think, oh, this is something new. But actually, it's, it's what we've been doing for several years. It's, it's our, it's our day, daily, daily business. And, but of course, the last year was, was a huge year for the pandemic and the vaccine distribution. But in overall, the general train, trends for, for the industry, I would say sustainability is, of course, one of the, the uh, strategic agenda points for all companies, which it should be. I think that is something we, we, we see in the conversations uh, in the industry between, between the different parties, if, the, if it's a pharmaceutical company, the freight forwarder, the airlines, or the equipment providers. And also the, the, um, the selection of, of, of equipment for, for, for being used, if it's active, meaning battery-powered battery or passive, uh, passive solutions. And I think also with, with the last year's development from the vaccine, of course, but also from cell and gene and clinical trials and now with, with mRNA vaccines, is that the, the uh, different temperature requirements because we have we have the pharmaceuticals which is being shipped in 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 controlled room temperature meaning 15 to 25c but the majority in the his, historically and and currently is is the 2 to 8 degrees celsius and but now in in, in last year we see a, a huge push for negative 80 for mrna vaccines uh, and uh, and cell and gene and clinical trials so i think this 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 is kind of a spread on, on the different temperature requirements we, we see in the, in the industry. And we also, if we take a step back and if you see if the, the new developments, the new products being launched to the market from pharma is that it's all biologics, which as of today requires a, a, a controlled temperature setting while being distributed. Even though if it's 15 to 20, 25 degrees Celsius or it's 2 to 8 or it's negative 20, negative 80, 
all biologics requires that. And then, of course, depending on how much stability data which is provided for that specific drug or vaccine, the, the type of equipment being used can then, of course, be adjusted. So, so you're saying that one of the trends happening right now is obviously temperature is a huge, you know, the number one thing in the cold chain. <laughs> but you're saying the actual temperature requirements are changing well, it's it's not the actual. I think it's you see an expansion mm-hmm. of different kind of different sets of temperature requirements. So it's not that it's it's being changed from two to eight to negative eighty. It's it's more about more of that the 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 different settings are expanding. So you have more volumes being shipped negative eighty than you had in the past. So it's more diverse in terms of which requirements you have to, to, to manage. Do you feel that the COVID-19 vac- vaccines changed the pharmacole chain in the back end, as well as just making it more you know, obvious to consumers? Well, I, I think that's, that's one of the, the, the uh, another trend, actually, is the, the collaboration in the supply chain. We all know how the global supply chains, in a way, are disrupted. Sea freight is is well, the long lead times for sea freight. The queues waiting at harbor. We we all know that. And the same thing with air freight. With with, with when the pandemic hit hit uh, the industry, is that most passenger flights were grounded. So a lot of capacity just disappeared overnight. And in order to be successful, this has really pushed the industry to be more collaborative. Of course, mainly driven by the the COVID nineteen uh, re- vaccine campaigns, but as well as the 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 uh, as a result of the of the of, of the pandemic. So I, I would say that one of the key aspects of COVID nineteen, in a positive way, is the more collaborative approach. But I think also we can see, in terms of vaccine distribution, uh, is that. In general, my experience from last year is the, the the lead times of distributing vaccine was much shorter than regular pharma, and that's mainly due to the complexity of 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 the the network who's who's involved. Well, you don't only have a pharma company and a freight forward and an airline and an equipment provider. Then you add on potential uh, government institutions. Or whoever who has a saying, if it's European Union who has a saying, which vaccine to be used when, etc. So from the the time from a decision to shipment was much shorter for COVID nineteen vaccine than regular pharma. Right. So that so the, so it's been. 2021, I think most people in, in cold chain, pharma cold chain, will look back as a very stressful year because it, it was always everything was in a hurry, while capacity was scarce. So it's 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 it, it was a it was a very very interesting and and rewarding year because we as an industry provided a huge contribution to society, which I, as part of this industry, is extremely proud of. Also, I think another part of the how the COVID-19 vaccine distribution changed the industry is that we see, I think we see more volumes being transported to more remote countries 
because we know that manufacturing of vaccine or pharma is is is, is kind of you have a few pharma production clusters in the world. You have in the U.S., you have in the European Europe, you have a few in in Asia, but COVID nineteen vaccine needed to be distributed all over the globe globe at the very same time. So the the distribution patterns, I would say, was a little bit different from the regular regular distribution patterns because everyone in the world has the right to be vaccinated. So I think that that was really one of the key aspects of all of the vaccine uh, distribution campaigns as well. So in terms of all of pharma instead of just, you know, the uh, the vaccines, uh, I know that it's been quite a rough couple of years, not just for the pharma uh, industry, but for all industries in terms of the supply chain. And I recently covered a study that said that was from doctors that said, you know, we've our patient care has been affected from all the disruptions going on in the supply chain. But I, I know that like even before it's been widespread news, it, we were leading up to this point, you know, there's been issues, especially in the pharma um, supply chain for a long time. So what is the state of that right now? I think it's two parts of it, actually, Brielle, because one thing we saw, I, I, I don't have any actual numbers on it, but the overall trend is with, with the pandemic hitting, hitting the world, some of the treatments slowed down in terms of volume because, because many people didn't go to the doctor because, well, you were supposed to mm-hmm. keep yourself isolated. So some people did not get the treatments they maybe should have done, taken. And I think we we see now with the world opening up more and more every day, we see a a kind of I wouldn't say a backlog, but we it's it's we see that the the volumes being transported is really ramping up and quite fast as well, and that from the perspective of having disrupted supply chains, I full, fully understand because we we all know how sea freight is today. We all know that air freight capacity is, is very, very scarce. And that comes back to what I think will be a key, key success uh, driver moving forward is the collaboration we learned in during the pandemic. How do we take that in the future, no matter we have a pandemic or not? Because capacity is something finite. It's you have a number of airplanes, you have a number of containers moving pharma, but it's a matter of how do we collaborate in the best way in order to maximize the utilization of of the, the the existing equipment and existing capacity. So it's it's about I think one of the things is moving forward is 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 the collaborative approach which we learned during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you feel like we're on an upward turn now. We're we're getting it. <laughs> I I think so. I, I yes, we are. While we see that volumes of pharma being shipped is, is is increasing because the world is opening up again, as well as manufacturing of pharma, as well as patients getting their treatments. Especially, and, and I think that's the, that's the key that not only vaccine. But also the um, pharma for chronic diseases such as diabetes or arthritis. Everyone needs their medicine, no matter. Uh, and and 
there's, there will always be a need for global distribution of pharmaceuticals and vaccines. I was glad to see during the the worst of the shutdowns, you know, I a lot of experts were worried about the availability of necessary medications, you know, for chronic illnesses and, yeah. and things that have nothing to do with the pandemic but need to keep people alive. But it really I think the industry came together and made sure that that didn't happen. It, it could have been so much worse. And, you know, just having to wait a little bit longer lines and, you know, longer times on the phone um, is so much better and, and not as big of a deal as it really could have been. So I, I was very proud to see that. Um, but I want to shift gears and talk about technology a little bit, because obviously technology is huge when it comes to temperature control, temperature monitoring, uh, visibility, and just seeing how much product we have and where it is, is really important right now. What future technology is likely to be adopted in the pharma cold chain? I think it's, of course... Me being an engineer, I, I love technology, and uh, it's 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 kind of it's very close to my heart. And I, I'm happy you asked this question, Brielle. And I think the the one of the piece, one of the most important pieces to the puzzle, is connectivity. Meaning that all shipments are monitored real time during throughout the supply chain, because we we are distributing, shipping, highly value critical pharmaceuticals, which are sensitive to temperature excursions. And it's extremely important that we have the ability to intervene if something goes wrong. And the best way to do that is being being able to be connected throughout the shipment. Because by doing that, we can have control towers, global control towers, picking up alarms during shipment when no one is around so we can take actions to make sure that the shipment and the the integrity of the product is secured. Because that is a huge benefit for the the whole supply chain. As well as, we all know the, the, coming back to the disruptions in the the supply chain, is the the autonomy of, of, because we are talking about temperature. And you need energy to keep uh, keep the, the temperature at the right at the right level during the whole shipment. And we really are stri- as an industry stri- striving to provide more autonomy to the for the equipment throughout the shipments. So you don't have if you're using a dry ice solution that you don't have to replenish dry ice during the the, the shipment, or if it's a battery driven solution that the 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 energy you you bring with you is sufficient to to manage any disruptions delays during during the um, the shipment and coming back connect reconnecting with the connectivity piece of it everyone is talking about data yes data there and data here it's of course it's a, it's a key to success moving forward because i think we 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 can learn so much from taking the data which we collect during during distribution because a shipment may start in a very warm country transit in a very cold country and then end up in a very warm country again or vice versa it starts in canada during winter time it's going to be pretty cold we all know that it may transit in i don't know 
Dubai, which may be quite warm at the same time and end up in Australia. So each shipment, because we're talking about global distribution, it's not local distribution. We talk about global. And we have different uh, weather zones, which we are going through in each shipment. But taking the data we collect during shipments is a is a very good enabler for understanding the risk exposure. Because coming back to what is our main purpose? Well, our purpose is to deliver pharmaceutical pharmaceutical without compromising the integrity of the product. So utilizing the data collected, we can learn so much more and, and take actions to minimize any potential risks. I love that. And yeah, visibility and data is a is a huge part of all of the supply chain. So it's definitely uh, going to be around for a long time. It's it's integrating itself in the actual like core of the supply yeah. chain now. So that was really great to hear, you know, all of your insight on that. But that's all I have time for today. But thank you so much for coming on and discussing all this with me. I think it's it's a really important sector of the industry and it's always going to be. Yeah, I think we, we, we uh, as I usually say to my kids, uh, when I wake, wake up every morning, I know why, what I need to do and I know what I do. I, I, I make sure that pharmaceuticals are delivered in a safe way globally to patients who, who, who urgently needs them. So it's, we play an important, extremely important part of the overall global, global health society. Absolutely. And we commend you for everything you guys do for keeping our supply chains moving. It's really important. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and tune in every Tuesday for our episodes of Link by a food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a thumbs up or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Riel for more of what's happening in the supply chain. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Spotify, Apple, and Google playlist apps so you never miss an episode. (laughs) 